Hey everybody, this is Father John Ricardo with Acts 29, and in the middle of all the craziness and the uncertainty that's going on right now, it seems from our perspective as a team that it's worth using these days to reflect in a more deliberate way on the scriptures every day, which for many of us now is the only spiritual food that we're receiving. And so we're going to do a special podcast series simply entitled, Be Not Afraid, God's Word in Uncertain Times. And we'll try to post something every day, usually reflecting on the scriptures so that we can listen in on what God is trying to say to us in these days. The line that jumps out at me today in the gospel as I prayed with it, a reminder of how the church speaks about the scriptures and something really concrete for us to consider doing today. Those are the three things that uh, hit me this morning as I was praying and reflecting on the word of God that is our food today. So first, the line that jumps out at me. So the gospel today, if you haven't read it yet, is from Luke chapter 24. It's the story of the two disciples on Easter Sunday walking away from Jerusalem, even though they've heard that some women went to the tomb, found it empty, and talked about encountering Jesus risen from the dead. You would have thought that would have been enough for them to run towards the tomb and to find out what was happening, but they didn't do that. They, They were walking away from Jerusalem. And as they're on their way to Emmaus, Jesus walks up with them, who is uh, hidden from their gaze. They They don't see, they don't recognize that it's Jesus. This is always the case in the resurrection accounts. The Lord veils their eyes, if you will, from recognizing him at first, and he begins to probe them. So these two travelers are downcast and discouraged. Pretty easy to relate to right now for many of us in this time that we're living in. And he begins to explore as to why, and and they reveal, well, because they thought Jesus was going to be the fulfillment of all that they were looking for, the Messiah, to rescue Israel from, you know, the tyranny of the Romans and whatnot. And of course, he was crucified. And then Jesus goes on to rebuke them as he explains the scriptures to them about how it was always foretold in the scriptures that the Messiah would, in fact, suffer and die and then rise from the dead. And then, of course, Uh, He gives the impression that he's going further. They prevail upon him to stay, which, of course, he wanted to do anyway. Uh, And then he reveals himself. They recognize him in the breaking of the bread, which is uh, an expression which is always used for the Eucharist. But then what happens? They look back on their experience of walking with him as he was uh, breaking open the scriptures, and they say, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they recognized him in the breaking of the bread, but they looked back on the first most amazing Bible study, right? And they realized as he was speaking the word of God to us, breaking open scripture for us, helping us understand it, he wasn't just making some cool little connections for us. The result was our hearts were set on fire as he spoke to us. In other words, the word of God was healing for us, and it's changed everything. That's really significant, I think, for us right now in this time when most of us still do not have access to the Eucharist, and we won't perhaps for still a number of weeks. And I know it's causing tremendous Uh, hunger in many people, and rightly so. But in the midst of this, I think the opportunity that the Lord is giving us is he's reminding us that the 
the church has always taught that the that she venerates the scriptures even as she venerates the body of the Lord and that what is still available to us right now, even though we don't have access to the sacraments, is rich food. And that food is the word of God. And nothing can take that from us right now. So in the document in Vatican II on Revelation, Dei Verbum, Latin for the word of God, just a couple of simple quotes. Huh? So this document reminds us that through this revelation of God making himself known, which includes, isn't limited to scripture, but it includes scripture, the invisible God, out of the abundance of his love, speaks to men and women as friends, lives among them, so that he may invite them and take them into fellowship with himself. Every time we read scripture, God is trying to speak to us as friends and to invite us into fellowship with himself, just as Jesus did with the two travelers who were on the way to Emmaus. A little bit later in the document, paragraph 21, it says, In the sacred books, that is to say, in the New and the Old Testament, the Father who is in heaven meets his children with great love and speaks with them. And the force and power in the word of God is so great that it stands as the support and energy of the church, the strength of faith for her sons and daughters, the food of the soul, the pure and everlasting source of spiritual life. Tragically, I don't think this is how lots of Catholics look at the word of God. We might think those things about the Eucharist, but not about the scriptures, a little bit later in the same document, you know, an encouragement to all the faithful to learn by frequent reading of the divine scriptures the excellent knowledge of Jesus Christ. For ignorance of the scriptures, as St. Jerome said, is ignorance of Christ. If I don't know the word of God, then I don't really know Jesus. And when we, when we pray, we speak to God. When we read the scriptures, the document reminds us God is speaking with us. So with all that in mind, and in the midst of these days that we're living in, I just want to encourage us to consider concretely today, going back to yesterday's gospel. It's John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. This is the encounter between Mary Magdalene and Jesus after Peter and John, who had come to the tomb and looked in, have left and headed back to the upper room to tell the, the other apostles what they'd seen. Mary stays there behind, weeping. And she looks into the tomb, and she sees in the tomb two angels, uh, two figures, there at the, on the slab where Jesus' body was. And they ask her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she says, they've taken my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. And when she said this, she turned around. She sees Jesus. She doesn't recognize it's Jesus, just like the, uh, the two travelers on the way to Emmaus. And he asks the same question. Woman, why are you weeping? There's a lot to get into on this that would be fun to explore, like the playfulness of Jesus, right? Can you imagine being Jesus risen from the dead and you're looking at this person who you love greatly, uh, who's one of your closest followers, and you're sitting there going like, when should I tell her that it's really me, right? It's like the guy who wins the lottery, who's coming home and about to tell his wife, you know, hey, uh, 
we won $55 million last night. You don't just say that as you walk in the door. You, you, you tease that out as best you can. You try to like, you know, oh, it's hard. You know, things are going to be rough. I don't know what's going to happen to us. And, you know, then you pull out the ticket and you show it to, to your wife, you know. I think Jesus is being really playful with Mary. But the point right now is to take some time today and to just sit with this gospel in the midst of whatever it is right now that's causing you confusion, sadness, discouragement, unrest, anxiety, fear, and to hear the Lord say to you, why are you weeping? He's not doing that to rebuke you. Don't, don't get me wrong. He really wants to know. Like, Mary has a real reason for her weeping, for her tears. Many of us right now are grieving the loss of loved ones. We're grieving uh, sickness uh, in a friend. We're grieving the potential for, you know, our job not to come back. We're grieving a lot of things. Jesus isn't saying, hey, that's no big deal. But he wants, to, he wants us to be able to come to him honestly and to acknowledge the source of our grief. And then in the midst of that grief, he wants to show himself, to reveal himself as triumphant over death, as triumphant over sin, as the one who bound the strong one, as the one who holds this world right now very concretely in his hands and who is not anxious and who is not afraid and who's done all that he's done in these days that we're celebrating for you by name. And everything changes for Magdalene when Jesus calls her by name. Ask today, Lord, help me to hear you call me by name and to show me your wounds and to show me like you've never shown me before, you are alive and risen. And that's the source of my hope. And because you're with me, I will not be afraid, even in this time of uncertainty. Because you have me and the world and the church and my family and my loved ones in your hands, and you're a good God, and you love beyond all telling, and you're powerful beyond all imagination. Never forget, that's the God who's with you. So do not be afraid. You were born for this. 